What's up, guys? How we doing? Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of Brian Carter 99 49ers podcast. Hope you're having a good day. Uh, we all know what the big news is. The big news, we re-signed Jason Verrett to a team-friendly one-year deal. Um, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Kind of. Uh, kind of kidding. <clears throat> I did want to bring it up because uh, with the re-signing of Verrett, uh, it does officially bring our team up to 90. So we now officially have our 90-man roster, uh, which is pretty exciting. <clears throat> One of the things I've been saying for the last uh, just like month or two, a lot of these signings, you gotta build your you gotta build your ninety for uh, for training camp. And uh, obviously, as training camp and all these things kind of progress, we're gonna be talking about who we expect to make it, who doesn't, which camp battles are gonna be fun to watch, um, all that kind of stuff. You know, like reports. Um, it's so fun to listen to the different reports. It's one of the few times I actually like paying attention to Grant Cohn because he gives like daily training camp reports. And even if he does have his own kind of like spin on things with, um, I don't know the word to say it, but you know what I mean? Like Cohn has a way about really knowing how to sell content. (laughs) I'll say that. Um, but I do really appreciate that he comes out with like daily camp reviews of who's standing out, who's not, uh, winners, losers, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that I'll continuously bring up about camp is that uh, when training camp does show up, uh, does happen, which is it's a ways off. You know, this is still like two months off. Uh, it's not necessarily whose name you hear that's good. It's whose name that you hear that's good consistently. If somebody balls out and has a good damn practice, that's awesome. Uh, But the question is, are they continually showing up in practice? So, anyways, though, enough about Jason Verrett. Uh, I will say that now that we have Jason Verrett, our corner depth is now looking extremely deep. We've now got a corner room that has, at the top, starting with Charvarius Ward, Manuel Mosley, you're adding in Jason Verrett, Ambry Thomas, who I thought played pretty well during, uh, after, I would say probably after his uh, third game, I thought that he really picked on the final couple games after he got his first couple rough ones out of the way. So Ambry Thomas... Um, we've got Demo Lenore coming back also, year two. We've got Dante Johnson, again, which, you know, love him or hate him. I think that he's a, uh, I think he's a solid veteran uh, slot corner player. Um, and then, of course, you also add on that we drafted Sam Womack out of Toledo. And we also drafted Tyreek Castro-Field. So we are deep at the corner position, which is very exciting. Very exciting that we have such a deep corner roster. Because uh, last year we had to deal with Dre Kirkpatrick and uh, (laughs) Josh Norman. Anyways, but we won't have to deal with that anymore. 
Uh, some exciting things in regards to the schedule. So the biggest thing is that it did offic- it was officially announced that the 49ers will be playing Arizona Cardinals in Mexico City. And I'm really excited because I'm going to go to the game. Uh, tickets aren't even on sale yet or anything, but uh, I was talking with my girl yesterday. We were out to dinner and she was like, oh yeah, you said Mexico. The Niners are playing in Mexico? And I was like, yeah. Do you want to go to Mexico City? And she was like, hell yeah. I was like, let's do it. So we're going to figure out a vacation. We're going to go to Mexico City. And uh, I've never been to Mexico, so that'll be cool too. Uh, But yeah, Niners are going to be playing in Mexico City. I think the game is like November 21st or something. It's a Monday night game. So that's going to be awesome. And they're going to be releasing the schedule. It sounds like they're going to be releasing the schedule in segments this week. So they're not just going to release the entire schedule. It sounds like they're going to be releasing a few games at a time or maybe like a few weeks at a time. Um, but by the time that uh, you listen to this episode, there'll probably be at least a couple schedules out. And my guess is that by the time I do my next episode in a week or so, uh, that they're going to have the full schedule out. So we should have a schedule, I think by Thursday, if I remember correctly, Um, but yeah, there, we are officially to the point where the schedule is going to be released. I don't know if I'm going to do one of those like way too early prediction things. (laughs) I might just like go through the schedule and be like, when, when they suck, when that's going to be tough, maybe a loss, probably win there. So we'll probably have to do some of that. The other big thing happening this week is rookie minicamp. So it's fun stuff. I'm recording this Monday. And this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the rookies are going to show up to the Niners facility and they're going to do their rookie minicamp thing. So don't know everything that they're going to be doing, but they're going to be getting there with the coaches. Um, My very elementary understanding is they're probably going to go in, do some physical stuff uh, and basically be given their playbooks and just do a day or two of practice. I think there's also some tryouts in there as well. But rookie minicamp is officially this week. So we're to the point in the season where the point in the year where there's not really a whole lot going on, but there's still little things happening here and there. So, you know, we got the rookie minicamp and then there'll be the voluntary stuff and then there'll be the mandatory minicamp and then there'll be the other thingy. And eventually we're going to get to the official training camp in July. Cool. That's pretty much all the news. Uh, So let's get into the title of this, which is I wanted to do a breakdown of the first two prospects, the first two players that we drafted in this draft class. Um, Because I already like reviewed the entire draft class. It was a long episode. (laughs) I think it was like an hour and 30 minutes or something. Um, And I don't want to do this. But I do want to go through and I wanted to spend more than, you know, five minutes of research on a player. So I went through and I reread through my different like scouting guides and, you know, I've got like five of them. Um, So I went and I reread different like what people's scouting reports were. Um, Obviously, I've been hearing a lot of different podcasts, kind of what they said. And then 
I also went and I watched some games. So today, before this episode, I went and I rewatched, or I guess rewatched, watched. I watched three games of each player. So I went and I watched three play, three games of uh, Drake Jackson, the Edge, out of USC that we drafted. Obviously, you can't get everything from three games, but I think it's a lot better to watch three full games than it is to watch a highlight video. I watched two games from 2020 and one game from 2021. So, it kind of gives you a basic rundown. Now, again, Drake Jackson, edge out of USC, uh, six foot three, and he is very young. Very, very young. He just turned 21 years old. Um, I think like within the last like week or two, like right around the draft is when he turned 21. So he's still a very, very young player. Now, one of the big things that was talked about was his weight fluctuation. And his weight fluctuated massively. Um, when he went to USC as a freshman, he came in around 270. Uh, they asked him to cut. He had to play in multiple different types of schemes, whether he was playing a defensive end or a 3-4 outside linebacker. Um, but he went in there at about 270. He then fluctuated where they asked him to get all the way down to about 245 to play outside linebacker. And then for his uh, combine, he... Uh, went to 254, which is what he measured into the combine. And then his pro day, he weighed in at about 270. I think he came in at 272. So Drake Jackson has had a very, very big change in his weight. You know, you figure the difference between 245 and 272 is, you know, it's like 30 pounds. It's pretty significant. Um, it's interesting too, because watching, I, I didn't watch any of his game tape from his freshman season when he did weigh around 270. And I'm wondering how that's going to affect his play because most of the play that I saw was when he weighed around like 250, 255 ish. And... What really stood out to me, um, there's four words that I just put down. So speed, burst, bend, and length. He has a great first step. He's a very fluid mover. Uh, he's very long. Just uh, you watch him and very long arms, long legs. Um, he's extremely flexible, just upper body, lower body ankles um and it's you don't see very many people who can move like that at that size it was really really surprising um i think that uh yeah great first step one of the things that really impressed me was his dip so his ability to fire off the line dip underneath an offensive tackle trying to block him straight up dip and still somehow run and turn the corner. Um, it was crazy. 
Uh, so physical traits, quite, just definitely 100%. They are there. Um, but that kind of brings me to the negative. And what I saw was that he was really, really, really lacking in strength. He didn't seem like he was able to anchor against anything, um, anything even remotely resembling an offensive lineman. Um, sometimes he seemed okay holding his own against a tight end, but that was about it. He had zero power to his play. Um, what I noticed was that he tried to, his best moves were when he was just trying to win with speed and with bend off the line and off the edge. And sometimes when he would get skinny and he could squeeze in between a gap, he would get, he was really good at getting skinny, squeezing in a gap. However, the issue that I saw was it seemed like he was regularly just squaring up with an offensive lineman. So instead of having like a shoulder of leverage from one side to the other. Instead, he was like just going ahead straight up on an offensive lineman, squaring up with him, and then he would lose the leverage battle, which is another thing that kind of confused me because he shouldn't be losing a leverage battle when he's only 6'3". The only thing that I can think of is because he has uh, such long arms and legs that he's not able to keep his weight down uh, because at 6'3", he should be able to uh, at least not consistently lose the leverage battle. So he definitely needed to work on uh, leverage. He needed to work on his anchor. Uh, definitely needs to work on his play strength. Um, while I did really like the length that he has and I like some of his hand moves, he definitely needs to work on his hands because he kind of, he seems like he gets stuck if he's not able to win with the first move. So say that he's not able to do, uh, not able to do whatever, like a speed move. He kind of gets stuck and then he kind of like stands there, squares up and just kind of like holds the offensive lineman and tries to look and see where to go next. And then maybe he'll just like try and run and like loop around. Um, and what I would really like to see is more just like aggressive, constant hand fighting where, Maybe you go and you try and do this. You try and do the speed, and then you realize that you don't have that. So you know you counter it. But working on his hand counters and having not just one move, but having a move and then a second move, like a counter, and then a counter to that counter. And I think that that's one of the things that Nick Bosa is just so incredible at. Is he is a technician with his hands, and that's something this guy needs to work on. But again, the good news, he's only 21 years old. So he definitely can learn how to become a better hands fighter. Um, and I think that's a technical part of the skill that you can definitely teach him. You can't teach the speed, the bend, the burst off the line, the 34 inch long arms, um, just like the movement uh, abilities that he has. You can't teach that. You can definitely teach hand fighting. And I think that's definitely something that he needs to work on. As far as the anchor and the play strength, 
Uh, that's what I was wondering between if he's going to be playing closer to 250 or if he's going to be playing closer to 270. It is worth noting that at his pro day, when he weighed in over 270, around 272-ish or so, he did run a 7.093 cone, which is really good. That's a better three cone than Danny Gray. Um, that's a better three cone than a lot of athletes. Uh, so again, you've got an extremely flexible, bendy, lengthy edge with great burst uh, and good speed coming off the edge. I think he's going to be perfectly suited to develop in this system. And I definitely think that he's going to need to, he's going to need to develop. Uh, the good news is that again, he's barely 21 years old. Um, he definitely can put on some strength, put on some power, put on some NFL muscle. He can learn some hand fighting techniques. They can really focus on getting him at one position and not asking him to switch positions every single year. Uh, they had him dropping into coverage at USC a pretty good amount. I think when I was watching the uh, the three games today, I would probably say that, you know, at least probably 10 or 15% of the time, they actually had him dropping into coverage. And I know that we're not going to be doing that. I think I've mentioned before, but I believe that their plan is that they're going to say, hey, Drake, third and long, you're going to rough the passer from a wide nine edge. Don't care about playing the run. Don't care about anything else. You just beat your offensive tackle. Uh, just go sack the quarterback. So I think that's going to be the plan is, you know, that's it's probably going to start off light 10 or 15 snaps a game, uh, maybe 20 snaps a game. He's going to go out there. He's going to rush the passer. Um. But yeah, so I would say those are definitely the, the good news is that the things that he needs to work on are things that he can develop. And uh, the things that he's good at are things that you can't really teach. So again, you can't teach speed. You can't teach length. You can't teach burst and bend. You can't teach those things. You can't teach somebody to move the way that he moves. But you can teach someone hand fighting. You can teach someone leverage. You can teach those things. Um, there was one other thing that I noticed that was kind of interesting was that uh, there was a couple times when he was chasing down the quarterback and the quarterback kind of did like a, like a shimmy fake juke. Um, and then he hesitated just a split second enough that it allowed the quarterback to throw the ball away. And... In that moment, I was just wishing he was a little bit more aggressive and just said, like, F it, you know, like, tackle this guy, just smash him. Because <laughs> um, he was, like, so close. It was like he was closing in on him, closing in on him, and then the quarterback would do, like, a, a shimmy, you know, just like a quick, like, shimmy fake juke or whatever, and he would hesitate for a second, and then the QB would throw the ball away. And I would much rather him not hesitate that split second and just like hit the quarterback, you know, like f force that, that under pressure, uh, versus the hesitation. But, uh, overall I, I came away, I came away after watching the three games 
I could see what they were seeing on film. And what they see what they were seeing on film is again all the physical tools and traits that you want to develop an edge. And I don't think Drake Jackson, I don't think that we're going to see the best of him realistically until probably his third season. That's not to say that he won't be productive, but I don't think that we're going to see the best version of Drake Jackson until probably late second year or third year. Uh, I think this year we're going to get to, we're going to get to see a couple flashes. Um, but again, our defensive line group is so deep. We're like 12 deep at the D line and, uh, he's a rookie. He's a 21. He's barely 21. He's got some great tools to work with. He's got a great coach with Chris Kosarek. He's got great teammates to learn from with Armstead and Nick Bosa. He's going to be put in favorable situations, uh, but he's got to work on some things. And uh, I'm very excited to see what the future has in store for this kid. He was he was not my number one choice in terms of edges, but I can definitely see this kid turning into a, a pretty a pretty good edge rusher. I can definitely see it. We're just going to have to wait a little bit. And I know that often we can be kind of impatient with the draft picks. Um, personally, I'm of the belief that it usually takes you about three years to really find out how good a player is and a draft pick is. I think that's going to be especially true for this pick. I think he's going to flash, but I don't think we're going to see the best of Drake Jackson until probably year three. So that's him. Uh, either way, pick 61. He's going to be fun to watch. He is going to be fun to watch. He's going to have some very impressive plays. Some of his like his like dip and rip moves that I saw were ridiculous. Uh, but there was also some plays where I was like, oh, come on. You, you got you to gotta hold your edge there. But uh, either way, that's Drake Jackson. Uh, next up is uh, Tyrion David Price, Ty Davis Price. And same thing, you know, I, I went, I reread some stuff. Um, I've been listening to the podcasts and I watched three games, three or four games of his. And I think you've probably heard it. I think you probably heard it. Um, and most of the people have also said that didn't like when he was picked. Like the player, don't like when he was picked. Um, yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but you you know my opinion. What, why spend a top 100 pick on a running back when there's other running backs that are probably going to get just as much production that you can pick up in the fifth round? So anyways, not going to badger on about that. We're here to talk about what he does. So Ty Davis Price, uh, he's a bigger back. Now, if you look at his combine, it says six foot two eleven. That's that's bullshit. <laughs> Ty Davis Price, when he was playing at LSU, he was weighing in between two twenty five and two thirty. So he is a big back at 
nearly six foot two thirty. So big guy, power player. Um, I think my favorite thing about him, quite simply, is that he is always churning his legs. He will drag defenders for extra yards. And it takes like three guys to tackle him. I remember every time I was watching and he would either, uh, if he wasn't stuffed at the line, meaning if there was like no gap to get through and he just ran into a wall, if he was able to get through a gap, he was not getting tackled by the first guy. It was typically taking three guys and the first guy would get an arm on him and he would start dragging and churning his legs. And then the second guy would jump on him and then he would just keep dragging. And then the third guy would finally get a hold of him and stop him and get him down. Um, but this guy is just always churning his legs. He is a downhill runner and it was pretty much always taking three guys to tackle him. Um, I like his speed. Uh, he ran a four, four, eight. I don't think he's quite that fast. Uh, again, when you just talk about the size, he played about 15 pounds heavier than he tested at. Um, so I would say, you know, he's a four five speed, which, Hey, that's plenty. That is enough speed in the NFL to get some good runs. I will also say that, um, I liked his burst. It was like, uh, the way that he kind of gears up is interesting because it's like, when he's getting ready to hit a hole, it's he gets handed the ball and he's waiting for the gap to open. If it's like a if it's like a gap or a power or you know one of the or a counter uh, type of run play, meaning like a non-zone run, he would wait until the hole would open, and he would be able to wait patiently. And then as soon as that hole that gap would open, he would burst through there. And he would fly through that first five or 10 yards. And a lot of the times he would get contact in that first five or 10 yards. And like the first guy would hit him and it would slow his acceleration, but he'd, you know, keep churning and another guy would hit him and he'd keep churning and then another guy would hit him and then he'd fall down. And, you know, what would normally be like a, a five yard run, he would get like eight or 12 yards. Um, cause he's gaining all those extra yards after contra- contact. He's just dragging guys, dragging guys forward. Um, so I really liked that burst through there. So that was like his, his, like his first and second, his first gear. I liked it. His second gear is solid. Now his third gear, it's like, it takes a little while. But then his fourth gear is like he's got legit speed. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like first gear, second gear, third gear, fourth gear. And then it's like he's going. So it was uh, it it seemed like there was a bit of a difference between his initial burst and his top end speed because he also has good top end speed where, you know, there was guys that were not catching him. You know, there was. There was safeties not catching him. There was linebackers not catching him if he had enough time to build up that speed. Now, the issue was that we didn't normally see him get that much speed because it looked like it typically took him about 20 yards 
20 to 30 yards to get that full head of steam going. Unless it was a well-blocked outside zone where he was able to hit the outer edge. There was a couple times where he would hit that outer edge outside the tackle or outside the tight end and he would have enough speed and he's got the hip flexibility to turn that corner and just like without losing any speed, just accelerate up the sideline. So while he's powerful and a downhill runner in between the tackles and you know, like he patient, good feet in traffic, navigating through all the navigating through all that clutter on the offensive and defensive line. And then he gets through there and then he bursts through there for another like five or 10 yards. Then he drags a guy for another couple three. Uh, So while that's what it was like running in between the tackles, when things were blocked up well on the outside and he was able to get that head of steam going, by the time he hit that far outside uh, edge, he had enough speed going that he had, if he had a runway, he could get some good speed. And again, I was impressed by the hip mobility and hip flexibility. So that way he would be able to turn that corner and not lose any speed. So I could see him being successful um, inside the tackles as well as outside the tackles running. Now, what I will say is that he seemed like he was a lot better of a zone runner than a gap, uh, a gap runner, which is a good thing because the Niners primarily like to play zone. They do a lot of outside zone and uh, it looks like they're now going to start doing some more inside zone. I think that's part of the reason why they drafted Ty Davis price as well as last year, why they drafted uh, Trey Sermon is Trey Sermon and Ty Davis price are both inside zone runners. And I did really like Ty Davis price's ability to run zone. One of the things that was really fun was um, he had a nice like a half jump cut. Uh, And what I mean by that is where he was like starting to press to the uh, press a block to the outside. And then he would see that a defender was starting to fill that gap. And then he could just kind of not even quite like a full jump cut, but just like a, a half jump cut and like stop, go the other direction and then hit that gap. Uh, it wasn't even like a full jump cut. It was like, it was like a half a jump cut. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but he, he looked very good running zone and he looked like he had better vision, um, running zone and, uh, just feeling his way through. And the LSU offensive line wasn't all that great. But uh, overall, I mean, Ty Davis Price, I think he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to be a good fit for the scheme. Um, I think I understand, again, the reason why they picked him. You've got a young player. And I don't think that you're necessarily looking for a ton of development from Ty Davis Price. Um, But I do think that what you're not going to get from him is he's a very young player with not a lot of miles. And he doesn't have an injury history. 
I think he only missed uh, like one or two practices in his uh, entire time at LSU. Um, so you got a big power back. He's good inside the tackles. He can play outside zone. He's always running hard. He plays close to 230 pounds, so he is just going to run over guys, run through guys. He's always churning his legs, and uh, he's a good blocker too. I didn't bring that up, but it's worth mentioning that he is a good pass blocker. Um, so you can put him in there all three downs if you want to, you know, have him pass block. Um, but yeah, point being is... Again, like this isn't the most exciting player, but he's going to be playing. He's going to be productive and we should all get ready and get excited for TDP because Ty Davis price. He is a, uh, he's, he's fun to watch. He doesn't necessarily, I don't think he's necessarily going to have a whole bunch of like big splashy plays, but he's just going to be that guy that's running downhill. And while he is not elusive at all, he is not going to be making guys miss. Uh, maybe he'll be making like defensive tackles miss like in the hole when he like, you know, half jump cuts from like one gap to a different gap. But he's not going to be making linebackers miss. He's not going to be wa- making safeties miss. What he's going to be doing is trucking guys. He's going to be lowering his shoulder, running behind his pads, and he is going to run through guys and drag them for an extra four yards uh, fairly often. And it's going to be fun to watch. And that's something that we haven't really had. We have not had a power runner uh, in this uh, like Shanahan era. You know, it's all been these like high speed uh, finesse guys who just hit the hole fast, but they're not going to churn out extra yards. You know, like Debo was our power running back, you know, like Trey Sermon, he, he basically didn't play Elijah Mitchell. I love him. My Elijah Mitchell, but he's not a power running back. He's more likely to make you miss than he is to run over a bunch of guys. So this guy is going to bring something different. And we now have a very deep running back room. So we got Elijah Mitchell, Ty Davis Price. Trey Sermon, I think, is going to be better this year. I think that he, uh, after being in Shanahan's doghouse, I think he's going to come back and be better. And, yeah, it's uh, they're just going to they're going to run the heck out of the ball. So I do like that they're going to be running the ball so much, make it easy on, easy on Trey. But uh, that's pretty much everything. So, again, Ty Davis Price. Drake Jackson, those are the scouting review. Now that I've watched a couple games and kind of reviewed my notes, had some time to think on it. I'm going to continue doing this for the rest of our draft prospects. So next time I am going to do Danny Gray along with Spencer Burford. And then I'll probably do one more where I review uh, the final few guys as well. So I hope that you enjoyed. Appreciate you. And uh, I will catch you next time. As always, go Niners.